0: Open your Bibles to Matthew 25, 14, please. I have two chihuahuas. One's name is Peanut, the other is Buttercap. Now, please understand, I did not name them, had nothing to do with naming them, but, but we call them Peanut and Butter for short because it's easier to say Butter instead of Buttercap. The uh, Peanut is small and lean, like a Peanut. And these are these came from the same litter, so we call them sisters, although they don't understand the sister thing, but still and, and butter, she is robust and thick and yellow, like butter and 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 they it's interesting, they have become what we named them, and that's a whole other sermon. I will go there someday, but these these little chihuahuas are fierce. they actually think that their high-pitched barking, which I prefer to call yipping, and I'm not even sure if that's a word. Some of you guys can look it up, or those of you who are are English majors can tell me that I'm wrong. But I I don't think that yipping even begins to put any fear into the heart of a larger dog. I mean, really, really. Uh, We we took the dogs out, Ian and I did, my youngest son, for a walk several weeks ago. And and they were out just running and happily enjoying life and just, just frolicking about until they saw a much larger canine. They both moved into their fierce, um, aggressive stance. You know how a chihuahua will do? Well, you don't know unless you've had one. And, 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 and they were ready to pounce and devour. These two little girls, actually there's a different name for dogs, girl dogs, but I won't use that word because I'll get misquoted. These two little dogs were ready to pounce and devour and they were confident that God was on their side. And, uh, and, 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 and so they, they did their high-pitched yips at this dog attempting to intimidate the much larger dog, which was about 75 yards away. And and the big dog stopped and spotted these little creatures on the ground, yipping and peanut and buttercup. They thought this was great, like, woo look. And so they thought, we got him. They took off in attack mode to accost the large black dog. No kidding. And, and so they were running along, yipping. And then I know they were quoting scriptures like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because they are Christian dogs and, and I know they skip church on Sunday but I'm sure they have some kind of a fellowship there at, at the house. and uh, But they may have been quoting their scriptures in Spanish because they are you know they do, do want to kind of lean into their native tongue. I do know that from time to time. That's what my wife says. But the, but the chihuahuas they had this positive abundance perspective. They were going. But as As these little Mexican dogs continued to sprint toward the big dog, their behavior only seemed to make the big dog excited to meet his little neighbor dogs. And so Big Dog gives a friendly bark back, you know, woo, woo, in, in English. And I, because he was in English, I knew what he was saying. And, and he proceeded to run toward them wanting to play with these new little you know, microscopic dogs. And, and then the Chihuahuas, they reversed their sprint. They stopped their yipping and they moved into this aggressive retreat and they began running away from the other dog and their yipping turned to yelping in fear. Totally serious, like in a split second. And the two dogs split going in different directions. I'm sure they had this plan, this little code, to reduce the likelihood of of being eaten alive by 50%, and and, and in fact, Peanut was was yelping like she had been torn to shreds as the other dog was chasing, and and the big dog just actually decided, hey, I'm just going to choose her. She's louder, and and kept pursuing her, and and Butter, this is weird, I've never seen this before ever in my life, Butter finds a tree and hides behind it. No kidding, no kidding. Maybe the dogs do that in Mexico. I don't know, but the sights and the sounds of this thing all of a sudden strike me as being hilarious, because I've always had dogs around, and I just started laughing hysterically. The owners of the other dog, they were teenagers, they started chasing the dog and, and telling it to come back, and it didn't, of course, and 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 I'm, in, I'm bent over, I can hardly stand up, and I'm laughing, and, and Ian is panicked, he's like, oh, you know, thinking the dogs are going to die, and I see things from a different perspective, and, and you know, one chihuahua's hiding behind the tree, the other, other one, peanut, is running toward me, and the big dog is in this I, I, I've observed is he's in a gentle pursuit. Uh, he's not even really trying, it seems. And I know that dog can run faster, but he was just loving it. And Peanut finally gets to me and I reach down and pick her up and she keeps yelping even in my arms. And, and Butters <laughs> is peeking out from behind this tree about 20 yards away. And, and standing in front of me finally is the happiest, nicest, big black dog you've ever seen. And he's wagging his tail and he's smiling and, and he's begging Peanut to come be his friend and play. But Peanut is freaked out, and her heart is racing like I've never felt. Seriously, I'm thinking this dog's going to have a heart attack. She's going to die in my arms. I, I, that was my concern at that point. Buttercup's still hiding behind the tree, kind of looking at her like, do I come out? I don't know. Again, weird. I, I know it's weird. You can say that doesn't happen, but I saw it happen. And, and Ian is my witness. And, and the owners of the big black dog, they finally get there, and they take him away. And little did my wimpy little chihuahuas know that what was pursuing them was actually a blessing. They could have had a friend. But they got scared, and they said, this is the worst case scenario, and they saw their lives flash before their eyes, and they simply messed up. That's bad. <laughs> they misread the blessing for a curse. They adopted a negative perspective of what, at one point, they had was a positive perspective. And the other thing is, we, we do the same thing. We do it all the time. Uh, Sometimes we're just like a bunch of yipping chihuahuas making a lot of noise about how awesome we are, and then then a, a blessing comes our way, and we're so focused on negative stuff we think that the end of the world is here, and so we run and yelp or go hide behind a tree and we have a heart attack. And I'm just telling you, that's not the life God wanted us to have. In fact, last week in this first message in this series, I introduced the concept of the positive abundance perspective, which is something that I am trying to live by. It's the opposite of what I've also called the negative scarcity perspective, which, by the way, in case you're wondering, that's not God's plan for your life. Negative and scarcity, it ultimately causes us to live a life that, I, that honestly is a life of discontentment. We're not contented. God doesn't want that for you. I don't want that for you. In fact, today what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you another tool that you can use to feed and to grow the positive abundance perspective, Now, here's the main truth right here. Here it is. Get this. Serving with excellence cancels out discontentment. See, God has this plan for you, and his plan is for you to abound in every good work, every good work that you're doing. He wants you to be confident and to be contented, and God desires good things for you so that you can be successful in that. And so we really need to take a fresh look at really this, this whole concept of abundance. And I went into depth last week. And if you missed that message, really it's the foundation for this whole series. And I encourage you to listen to that recording. But this thing of abundance, it's not about having everything we want, but it's actually about having everything that we need so that we can keep abounding in the work of God, the good work of God. Now, that's actually true abundance. That's Bible, biblical abundance. And so many people have twisted it and, and just had it off just a little bit, and, and that, that's very simply what it is. See, but when we have this attitude, there's no panic. We don't have to have stress, fear, anxiety, or worrying about provision, whether it's the provision of security or love, peace, finances, food, transportation, whatever you need. God Takes care of you when you're doing his stuff. See, Paul said it this way, and this is one of our foundational scriptures for the series. He says, "God is able to bless you abundantly, so that, so that, so that means this is cause and effect. So that, in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Boom, three things. That's a lot. You will do what abound in every good." Work. So, so God has called us to do good works, and he will bless us abundantly so that we can keep it up. That's what it says. That's a pretty good deal, guys. It's not just there, but in many other places in the scriptures. We're, we are designed by God to give and to serve. That's how we're wired. And this actually kind of flies in the face of so much that's in the world today, especially in our culture. See, we give away our compassion. We give away our time. We give away God's love. We use the ministry gifts that God has given to us. And, and when we do that, God takes care of us and we can be contented. Now, see, discontentment actually comes from worry and fear and anxiety, and, and, and to be honest with you, there is a way to avoid all of that stuff, and it's operating from what I'm calling this positive abundance perspective so that you don't have to be discontented, you don't have to be stressed out, you don't have to be worried in life. In fact, Jesus put it this way. I love it when Jesus talks. Here's what he says. Do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear. <laughs> Isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Listen, are you not much more valuable than they? It says the pagans run after all these things. In other words, don't be pagan. Okay? <laughs> I know that's jolted some of you. Don't be pagan. Okay? That's what Jesus is saying. Don't do that because pagans do that. So we don't want to do what the pagans do. Who are the pagans? The people who do that. Okay? The pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. See, you're in the family, you're in the house of love, like I taught, taught you earlier. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. So here's what he says Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well so the way to kill discontentment according to Jesus and the way to have your needs met is to do something a little bit different instead of chasing after all this stuff put God's kingdom first That means that's actually what that actually means is God's kingdom work you put his kingdom work first you do that however that works out in your life and for every one of us it's very different So let God speak to you about how that works actually in your life. And and it also means to be righteous. And then if you do that, God says, I'm going to take care of all you and all this stuff. And you don't have to worry. You're more important than the birds. I tell you guys, that is an incredible way to live. It's simply this. It's God supplies when we are prioritized with his kingdom and his way of living his kingdom work, and his righteousness. God supplies when we are prioritized, and I want my priorities to be in line with God's, and that's my constant battle. That's the thing that I'm constantly working at. I can't say that I have it perfected, but I'm on my way. Hey guys, if you're in a season of lack right now, bills have overtaken you, debt is, is snowballing, relationships are failing, your life seems upside down, I want you to take this advice from Paul, which says that you have a choice to be content regardless of what you're walking through at the moment. Paul says it this way about being content. Look, look at this. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So he's talking from both ends of the spectrum. He says, I've learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation. Now you're thinking, okay, it's a secret. Is he going to tell us? Will he tell us the secret? He said, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now he gives us the secret. The secret's right there. It's in one sentence. I can do all things through him who gives me strength bam, slam dunk. That is amazing. I was uh, babysitting kids the other night, Elizabeth Clark's kids, while she was up here doing her thing. I took them to see a dog movie. And and and, this, and one of the kids was in the back seat, and I said, and I, I told the little boy, I don't know which one he was, because I couldn't see you in the back there, and their voices sounded the same, you know, kids. And, so, and, and, and one, of the, one of the kids said, well, I, I think I'm going to do such and such and such and such. And I said, no, you can't do that. He said, no, I want to tell you something. He uh, talked back to me. I went, okay, talk back. This is going to be fun. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> like, you nailed it, kid. You nailed it. And that's amazing. Really what Paul is saying here is whether it's good times or bad times, you can be content when you simply adopt this attitude of I can do All things through Christ who strengthens me. See, the world's perspective is this. I will be content when I have everything I want. I will be content when everything is operating perfectly in my life. But the truth is, we never get there. See, contentment is this attitude. It's separate from the circumstances. That's really important. The contentment secret is basically wrapped up in what I call the can-do spirit. I talk about that a lot around here. The can-do spirit basically sees life as the glass half full instead of half empty. Notice the word do, the can-do spirit. Do is a verb, it's an action, it's not a state of mind. And, and, and so I want to ask you, what's discouraging you today? I want you to do something with me. I want you to take that discouragement and slap it upside the face with your can-do spirit. The can-do spirit is attitude and actions that revolve around this the whole thing of simply serving with excellence. Serve God with excellence. I'm going to show you today that serving with excellence actually cancels out discontentment. I'm giving you this full-blown challenge today, and here it is, that you can slay pessimism, that you can defeat lack, that you can starve fear, that you can abolish offense, and you can forsake secure all, all of this insecurity, and you can have something wonderful from God. Contentment. It really goes back to one of my very favorite parables. I do have some favorite parables, and here is one of them. This is from what Jesus said, and I want you to take a look at it in your Bibles. I give you the text there, in the book of Matthew. Jesus says this when his disciples were saying, "What's it going to be like at the end of time? We want to know. We want to know." Just like a lot of people are saying now and this week, the end of time is going to be like this. Here's your answer. A man is going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability, and they went on his journey. The man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money at work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Bad idea just in case you don't know the story. That's a bad idea. Okay. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So in other words, what's saying here is there is going to be a time where God is going to settle accounts with us. And, and the, the man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five, and said, master, you entrusted me with these five bags and I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. In other words, you're good and you're full of faith. Uh, you did a good job. You've been faithful with a few things. I think the five bags of gold is a lot of things, but yeah, you've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. I want you to come, and I want you just to share your, share your master's happiness. In other words, come and enjoy every benefit of being a part of my household. Get in here. Let's have a party. Now, the man with two bags of gold also came exact same scenario master you entrusted me with two bags of gold see i've gained two more the master replied well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful with a few things i'm going to put you in charge of many things come and share in your master's happiness same thing all right then dun 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 the man who had receive the one bag of gold came master He said, because I I know he said it like that, I know you're a hard man and you harvest where you haven't sown and you gather where you haven't scattered seed. I I was afraid, so I just went out and hid your gold in the ground and and I brought it back to you. See, it's right here. Master said, you wicked, lazy servant. Did you know God could call someone wicked and lazy? I'm not going there, but it's in the Bible. All right, well, is Jesus the one who told the story, not me? Are you guys cool with that? All right, all right. Remember, it's not me, it's Jesus. I'm just, I'm just, Jesus. Yeah. All right, here we go. You wicked, lazy servant. So, 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 so you knew, he did it like that. So, 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 so you knew that I harvest where I do not, have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would received it back with interest. He tells the guards, guards, take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Look at this. This is it. This is it. This is the principle. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have a what? A what? Okay, look at that again. Don't let this escape you. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even they, what they have will be taken from them and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, here it is again. God supplies when we're prioritized. And guys, that's just how God works. I know you might say, but that's not fair. The poor guy, he had a bad life and somebody had hurt him and and he he probably had an overbearing boss one time. You gotta lighten up on him. God is not fair, but God is just. He is a just God. And if I'm gonna just do the very minimum, hoping somehow everything's gonna be okay, I might just end up like that dude and I don't want that to happen you see, what happened is, as you look at this, his pessimistic mind was in the wrong place. His negative emotions were controlling him. He couldn't motivate his body to do positive service for the master. And as I shared last week, he became a negative grouch pouch, <laughs> living wounded and offended and afraid and, and, all, and ultimately ended up as the biggest loser, Jesus said whoever has is going to be given more. So in other words, whoever's doing the master's work, it's not like how many possessions you have. It's whoever is doing the master's work and producing will actually be the people that are going to be on the receiving end and they will have the abundance. You see, guys, again here, it's this positive abundance perspective. And whoever does not have will lose bad. It's not about, well, I don't have possessions. No, that's not it. it is, in other words, who is not doing the master's work with what God has already given you and is not producing, you will not have an abundance. And, and that happens when we, even as believers, embrace the negative scarcity perspective. Like I shared last week, abundance is conditional for those who are doing God's work. I say, I don't know about that, pastor. Just read the Bible. If you'll do that for me, read the Bible, and then we can meet later. I want to show you some very interesting facets about this passage because it's interesting because both of of the first two stewards, they were saying the exact thing to the master. Basically, they were saying, master, you entrusted me. just those words on their own show us the perspective of these guys, these stewards. They felt blessed to have something actually entrusted to them. And for us, basically, this positive abundance perspective, it's about saying this man, I was entrusted with responsibility. Woohoo! And you'd be glad when you're entrusted with responsibility. Revel in that responsibility. The positive abundance perspective is the can do spirit. And it works. It doesn't always feel like it at the moment, but it works. Friday I was over at the mayor's office and while I was there I I went for a 15 minute meeting which turned out to be a very very long meeting and and I was asked to follow through on several things and and uh and, and, and this all, I realized, was going to take some time. And, and in fact, all of these things that I was asked to do have to be completed before Monday morning at 9 o'clock. And, and, and to be honest with you, I'm still not finished because I have, you know, I, I do this kind of stuff all weekend. And, 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 but I didn't shrink back with my normal res- with the normal responses, like, oh, I can't, I can't, I won't, I can't. Life's hard, you don't understand how many meetings I have and sermons when I have to preach God's Word. No, no, what I decided is I took it head on. Now, I didn't feel really excited about it that moment, but I took it. It was interesting because right after that, it was a one-on-one meeting. I, I, was, I was walking down 10th Street on my little five-block walk back here to the building, and, and uh, during my walk back r- right between Lamar and Burnett Streets, I received a text message from another committee member who was not even in the meeting and knew nothing about it. And this text message said to me, this is from a fellow minister in town, he said, the work we are doing is holy and God has entrusted it to us. He said, we absolutely must succeed. It's like, dude, you're preaching my sermon. and You're not even Christian, you're Jewish. You know? <laughs> so I, I stopped and I smiled and I remembered. I, I just stood there. It's some guy come around the corner, and, you know, bumps into me. I'm standing there with my phone like, oh, sorry. I, I, I remembered what this positive, abundant service thing is all about. And I thought about these words. I'm entrusted with responsibility, and that's an honor. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because serving with excellence actually cancels out discontentment. Now, you're not going to be discontented with yourself if you're serving with excellence. However, that may play out in your life. Living with this positive, abundant perspective is where you are thrilled being, thrilled with the, the idea of being entrusted with responsibility. And it's going to make your life amazing. And I'll just tell you the truth. It's actually a very fun way to live. It's not a boring life. The opposite... Which we want to starve is this negative scarcity perspective, which says, Well, why do I have to be responsible for this? It's this asking why, pushing back from responsibility, making excuses. It's like the guy who buried what was entrusted to him, saying, It's just too hard. My life stinks. Why do I always get the stinky small jobs, one bag of gold? I don't want this responsibility. I mean, why do I have to be responsible for these menial things? Hey, guys, starve that negative scarcity perspective. Men, Starve that in your lives, especially. Men, you're responsible for the ladies in your life. Husbands, this means your wife. And if you have daughters, your daughters, treat them with respect as God's children. Treat your wife the same way God treats you, which was He gives you guys a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of love, and you know it. You don't deserve it. That's how you treat your wife. Single man, you thought you were out of the single man. You're responsible to the single women in this church because they're part of your family. The scriptures, you know what the Bible says? You're supposed to treat them like sisters. Sisters. Just a thought here. If you treated God's daughters like sisters and you blessed them instead of sleeping with them, God might bless you abundantly and have something wonderful for you in your future. Just a thought from the Bible. It's the same premise in this parable. Also in this parable, these first two guys, they're really excited to grow what was entrusted to them. And that is that positive abundance perspective where they said, I can't wait to serve by growing this entrustment. See, positive service happens when we're simply pumped up about taking what's been entrusted to us and taking it to a whole new level. I'm going to grow my entrustment. I'm going to leave it better than I found it. I'm going to be a contributor over a consumer. And doing this is actually the opposite of our nature. And In fact, in many ways, it's counterintuitive. It's a behavior that we have to train ourselves in and help have others help train us in this also. But I'm telling you, it will heal discontentment in your life because serving with excellence cancels out discontentment. The spirit of excellence says, I can't wait to serve and grow this entrustment. Yeah, you know, A few weeks ago, just speaking of a situation at the mayor's office, uh, the mayor walked into a conference room <clears throat> that I was at at City Hall where I was conducting a meeting. And very first words out of her mouth when she walked in and we stopped our meeting, naturally, you know, the king or queen walks in or whatever, you just stop your meeting and like, greet the king or queen or whatever. She's not the queen. Yeah, you know, don't get weird on me. All right, but, but first of all, you know, it's, it's respect. It's leadership, just what the Bible says. The first words out of her mouth were words of gratitude and praise for the Fort Worth Hunger Project, which we held back in May. And, and she looked at the group, and, and then she was just saying these nice things and congratulating us for all smiling. And then she looked at the group, and then she focused her eyes on me, and she goes, okay, so what's the next big event? And she said, how is this group going to lead Fort Worth's spirit of compassion? Now, I silently gulped, you know, I swallowed, because we didn't have a plan on the books, because summer had been a bit disjointed. and But the truth is, is, we were entrusted with her vision at that moment to create an event that would fuel even more compassion in the city. And we can't rest on yesterday's success. That never works. The past is the past. The future has to be seized. And we're stewards of the future. So a few weeks ago, and I, I, I created this proposal. And I took it to the, to the committee. And, and they approved it. And we sent it on to the mayor. And, 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 uh, and it's, it's called the Mayor's Week of Compassionate Service. What it's going to be is two weeks, two weekends and one week in January, a total of nine days. It's co- basically coordinated compassion throughout the city and the county. I wanna to read to you my proposal because this is what was thrown out there. And uh, I said, proposed date, January 16th through 24, the purpose to inspire compassionate service in Tarrant County from individual actions to organize group service projects. Timing, we're gonna utilize the, the momentum of the beginning of the Stock Show and Rodeo, MLK Day, and the new year. It's a very important time for Fort Worth and it's our best opportunity to shine. Here's the the terminology. Whether you give an hour a day, donate blood, give food or clothing, create or participate in a project or simply help a neighbor, everyone can show compassion said, Compassion Fort Worth would use this event to build bridges across Tarrant County into as many volunteer organizations as possible. We would essentially create a clearinghouse of volunteer opportunities and reporting systems for projects and individual actions. The United Way would play a key role. Upon approval, we will set up a timeline for execution, beginning with contacting organizations and coordinating efforts to put as many volunteer opportunities as possible on the calendar during this nine-day period. Based on this pr- principle by Solomon, when right-living people bless the city, it flourishes. And so I got the response back. Mayor says, yes, let's go. And so I had my work cut out for me. I've been entrusted to serve. I, I I have to roll my sleeves and get busy now. Or I could just bury it and let somebody else do it. Actually, I'm working for God, not, you see? I'm working for God. So Here's my question to you, what has God entrusted you with? Yeah, God's entrusted you with possessions, but I'm telling you, that's, that's so nothing. <laughs> there's something that's greater, such as people and giftings and anointings and ministry and time and influence in your business. The most contented people I know serve with excellence in these areas, and God actually pours right back into their lives, because every entrustment from God is a blessing. So grow the entrustment while it's in your hands. We need to starve that negative scarcity mentality saying, I hate risk. I just want to choose by, choose to serve by doing the very minimum. Well, that's what the guy with the one bag said. I'm gonna do the minimum just to get by. No wonder he's the loser. You ever work with a person like that? A person who arrives at their desk at 8 a.m. and sets their computer to automatically begin to shut down at 4:59 p.m., the person who's working for a paycheck only. <laughs> Hopefully that's not you, but I mean, even if you don't like your job, what a waste! Ultimately, people who do that get thrown out of the company, and then they complain about how unfair life is. Duh, I would just want to say, guys, read the Bible, go to church. This is what we're teaching. This is what the principles of the kingdom are about. you ever notice that people who do that actually are full of sarcasm, and they give these subtle jabs, and, and they, they, they they're disloyal, and they have this low-level, seething anger, and What it is, it's all discontentment, and that's no way to live. We need to starve that negative scarcity perspective that says, I hate risk, I choose to only do the minimum. Don't set yourself up to be a big loser. In this parable, the guys who did show the increase, they came back to their master with just a few words. No long, detailed explanations, no complaints. You see, their actions spoke louder than their words as it is with us, and that's how that positive abundance perspective works. We just use a few words. You entrusted, I produced, and that's basically it toward God. And 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 you see, they understood this that life has this cause and effect that works with it. And God is the one who created that law of cause and effect. Basically, they were just repeating back this law of positive service, not really knowing what the master-specific response would be, and so they just came in holding their heads up high. I've always had this mental image of what it looked like in the room when this happened ever since I was a kid. I, I I I imagined the first two guys walking in with confidence. They were well dressed and they were smiling and they weren't arrogant, they were just kind of like some well- adjusted, contented men, just kind of happy with life, because serving with excellence, you know, it cancels out discontentment. But the other guy, I've always imagined in him this way since I was a child, and maybe it's because of some flannel graph pictures that was put on my, my preschool classroom, I don't know, but I've always just just seen him as being kind of, you know, the, the loser in the deal coming in dressed sloppy, and he, he has mud on his hands because he dug something out of the ground, his hair was all puffed up, and he had shifty eyes, and he had BO because he hadn't taken a bath and a while he's scowling at the other guys as if they had something to do with his stupid choices and he's kind of a loner he didn't want to spend time with other men who were gonna nudge him in the right direction and he just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and you want to say shut up already dude see he has the negative scarcity perspective which is many words you're me your standards are too high I'm afraid really I mean that's what the guy was saying You can see he was even operating under a spirit of offense. He was offended at his master because he perceived his master as having ridiculous standards and his master just simply wanted results. See, offense always builds a wall. Offense causes us to make excuses. Offense causes us to see our world from the negative scarcity perspective. Starve the spirit of offense in your life because that guy's, it'll kill you and you'll be standing out in the cold. I want to warn you, this is truth. This is truth. This is not a candy message. This is veggies today and beef. Because offended people will always stand on the sidelines and criticize, and even worse, they think they're doing a God a favor by that spirit. That's one of the reasons I love dogs, even if they are chihuahuas, you know? They don't get offended even if you accidentally do step on their tail. They yelp, and then you make up real quickly, and you love each other. In the end, you're happier than you were before. The two guys who produced were blessed with even more. They had more to steward. They had more to live off of. And that lifestyle was, that that just gave them a huge bump up in their life. It's about this positive abundance perspective, which says, I'm so blessed that I'm in trust with more opportunity to serve. They received more, they received it as a blessing, and that's how God works. And when we see life through that filter, we become happier, we become more contented people because serving with excellence cancels out discontentment. It's one of the best ways to feed the positive abundance perspective. Like, don't be like the biggest loser guy who's like, see, he never liked me, now he's treating me unfair my life stinks it's funny because his original offense at his master is now greater, he's basically feeling sorry for himself, he's shrinking as a person and, and guys, friends, hey this is not God's plan for your life that's why Jesus gives us stories like this so that we can be on the winning side because it never pays to have the negative scarcity perspective, that approach only breeds more of the same I don't know if you're offended with God, offended with a person, or offended at a system or an organization, but offense destroys the abundance mentality. You will always do the absolute minimum just to get by at work, and at church, and at home, and you shut down, you build a wall, you protect yourself, you really can't give, you can't sow, you can't grow, you just do everything like a robot, but also you can't help but talk about how other people are always the source of all of your problems. Here's the formula of how we should live. Three simple choices. We make the decision to do it. First choice is this, refuse to hunker down and choose to thrive. The term hunker down comes from when hurricanes come in. and I've I've had to do that before on the Gulf Coast. It makes good sense, but it's in a hurricane, but it's a bad life mantra. Because I know firsthand when you hunker down and you get into that house and everything's boarded up, there's no electricity, there's no water, and there's no light, it's gonna about drive you crazy. Instead, choose to thrive. That word thrive creates images of positive activity and action and growth and producing results, and that's my da- that's my daily choice. Whether it's a crazy busy day or a vacation day or a church day or a day off, I choose to thrive. I'm gonna ask you guys, will you join me in that? Yeah, so choose to thrive. Secondly, refuse to be a victim and choose to be a victor. Living as a victim of what other people has done to us is a great way to waste our lives. Bad things happen in life. Yeah. And they often, in fact, most of the time, they come through other people, whether it's intentional or inadvertent, or even the effects of our own mistakes. But don't be a victim. Choose to be a victor. Slap a smile on your face. See, victims are losers. Victors are winners. Be a winner. It's your choice right now. Choose to be a victor. Choose to thrive. And then finally, refuse to be offended. Choose to live life offense-free. I I have tried living the offended life before. I've tried it. And it really stinks. I mean, it turns you into a grouch pouch. (laughs) I remember when I made the choice, it was about 15 years ago, I am going to live offense-free the rest of my life. And that that decision right there turned my life around and I have never let the words I'm offended come off my lips since then, because it's not worth it. I'll just tell you guys, I don't do offense. Yeah, people will hurt me. People will even could offend me, but I don't have to get offended. Why? It's a choice. I have free will. I choose to live offense free. I'm not going there. That's a dark dungeon that destroys lives. Here's my challenge, choose to thrive, choose to be a victor and choose to be offense free because God supplies when we are prioritized. Take what God has blessed you with and use it well in a spirit of excellence. That term serving with excellence, you know, when I talk about serving, it really takes on a lot of different forms, but I do have a call to action for us today. And it really involves a couple of ways that you can serve with excellence right here in your local church and in your community in front of you, or actually on your seats, each one of you have one of these. Will you please take these? Everyone, will you take one of these little cards? And guys, we were gonna sing a song at the end. Listen, we're not gonna do that, okay? So y'all just don't, don't come with instruments ready to sing. I, I want you to grab this little card here, take a look at it. Here are just a couple of opportunities. There are so many more things, but these are just a couple of things I wanna emphasize today. And you might be interested in something. This is an easy way to respond, right? I've said this this summer is that children's ministry is our number one priority this fall at City Life. And we're doing a lot there. A lot of that work is behind the scenes, but if you'd like to help in any of these areas, there are four basic areas where we could use some help. Or maybe you're just interested in knowing more about it. By checking this, you're not volunteering. By checking this, you're saying, I'd like some more information. You understand? safe and it's easy because you can say no. Uh, and and but they're, they're, we're, we're growing a lot back there, and I encourage you to see how you might be able to serve. And secondly, with community outreach, if some of you, if any of you would like to come out tomorrow evening, I, we, I have a meeting. I have a group that I meet with once a week from, excuse me, once a month from City Life, and we talk about what's happening with Compassion Forward since I since I'm the chair of that thing. And and so if you want to come out and tomorrow evening and and find out how you can be a part of this specific event, which is the Mayor's uh, Week of Compassionate Service, and how you can help put it together and be a part of that, get out here, just check that off, yeah, I'll, I'll come. And come and, and be here with me tomorrow evening, seven o'clock, we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna talk about some specifics, cause I'll know a lot more information there, and we'll have some very clear marching orders by tomorrow evening. Simple ways to respond, simple ways to respond. Just fill that out, when you're done guys, just take it to one of the connect stations at the back just drop it off. It's that easy. Will you bow your heads with me? If you want to know this Jesus that I talk about and you want this clean slate in your life and you want to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you'd like to be a part of this closing prayer, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. On the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand because faith is responding outwardly God is doing inwardly. One, God loves you so much. Two, he died for you so that you can have life. And three, everything changes today. Would you lift your hand for me if you need Jesus in your life? Lift your hand because I want to pray with you. Congregation, will you stand with me, please? I want us to pray this prayer together say these words with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you are the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. For today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. I choose to run to you, to serve you, to adopt a can-do spirit And to live my life with the positive abundance perspective. Thank you for changing me. In Jesus' name, amen.